out last week that in many places people have ugly things to say about ministry structures. That's often because they have been hurt in church before. And so they want to throw everything away, baby with the bath water. And I contended last week that the church isn't even man's creation, it's God's. Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church. And so it's important to him. And so don't throw the church away. Let's just fix it where it's broke. Amen. And so the reason that ministry structures are important is because of the, the, the multiplication factor, the synergistic factor of believers working together. Two believers working in isolation from each other can get so much done, but what they get done is based upon their limited talents, abilities, and capabilities. Okay, put these two together, and where one chases a thousand, two puts ten thousand to flight. Using the same mathematical ratio, three will put a hundred thousand to flight, four will put a million to flight. There's a tremendous synergistic multiplication that occurs when believers work together pursuing the same vision. That's why the church becomes important to God. We get so much more done this way. But what happens when a church doesn't have real, genuine spiritual authority, they will substitute counterfeits in its place. And so last week I mentioned that just like Rehoboam substituted shields of brass for the shields of gold that his father Solomon had, had made that he put in the temple, whenever it was it Shishak that came and besieged uh, the city and they gave him all the shields of gold, well, trust me, brass and gold may look alike, but there's a big difference in their value. And what happens is our substitutes may look good to us, but they do not change people the way God's original plan does. They don't impact lives. They don't bring breakthroughs. So I say today, Father, speak a word to us that will free us that will empower us, that will help us understand your ways that are higher above ours than the heavens are from the earth. Help us to understand what real spiritual authority is supposed to be all about and reject any form that is brass compared to your gold. I ask for your glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Our text, Ephesians 2 and 6 and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him. Where? Shout it out loud. In the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. That's elevation. Luke 9 and 1. When Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and cure diseases. Power is the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Authority is the legitimate right to use power. Therefore, spiritual authority is the legitimate right to use spiritual power. Amen. 1 Kings 16, 30-31. Now Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord, more than all who were before him. And it came to pass, as though it had been a trivial thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, that he took his wife as his wife Jezebel, the daughter of Eth Baal, king of the Sidonians. And he went and served Baal and worshipped him. Revelation chapter 2, verse 18. To the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These are the words of the Son of God, whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. Verse 20 through 23. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet, by her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. I have given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is unwilling. So I will cast her on a bed of suffering, and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely unless they repent of her ways. I will strike her children dead then all the churches will know that I am he who searches hearts and minds, and I will repay each of you according to your deeds. Verse 29, whoever has ears, let him them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Help on these monitors, please. Amen. 
As we continue our study now, I want to remind you once more that when I address the subject or theme of spiritual authority within the church, most of us have come from backgrounds or experiences or have a history where this has been somewhat abused. And because of that, it brings up all of these painful memories. We are Uncle George got wounded in church or even I got wounded in church or my cousin did or I, my neighbor did. They won't go to church anymore. I don't even need to ask you for a show of hands of how many people you know that don't go to church because they were wounded. Amen. And it's kind of like Mark Twain said about a cat sitting on a hot stove. He won't ever do it again, but neither will he sit on a coal one either. Once you get burned, you know the old expression is, first time, shame on you. Second time, shame on me. That's really how people look at things. These shields of brass do not work. Substitutes that we create, that we put in place within ministry structure, that is supposed to, the structure is supposed to cause the synergistic effect of people pursuing the same vision to accomplish so much more. These shields of brass do not have effectiveness. They do not allow us to achieve our objectives. As I've said, breakthroughs do not occur when we supplement our efforts to have spiritual authority by using human authority. Demons don't listen to, spirit, to human authority. They only respond to genuine spiritual authority. Amen. One of the many things the enemy will use for genuine spiritual authority in churches is what Jesus finds fault with when he appears to John and tells John to write letters to the seven churches of Asia, the church specifically in chapter 2 called the church in Thyatira, the thing that Jesus found that was a problem within their ministry structure was they had a Jezebel spirit. Well, that makes us wonder what he's talking about. All I have to do is ask you, have you ever had experience with someone that used religion to try to control you? Anybody ever had that? Trust me, it isn't pretty. Amen. It's not a good thing to have happen. It places focus on the wrong thing. When people use religion to control you, it becomes about you pleasing them not you pleasing God. Amen. Amen. People can be control freaks. Okay? A guy went to a garage to get his car worked on. Joke. This is a joke. Okay, joke. Okay? He kept trying to tell the mechanic what he thought the problem was and how the mechanic ought to do his job. You ever have anybody do that to you? You're not doing that right, he would say. This is what the problem is, and if I were you, I'd do it differently. This is how I would do it, and on and on it went. He wouldn't stay in the customer waiting area. He kept going to, into the garage, leaning over the mechanic's shoulder until the mechanic couldn't hardly breathe, and the mechanic would keep escorting him back to the customer reception area. And in a little while, the man would be back. That's not what I, I and leaned over him again until finally the mechanic was so furious, he put his tools down, took the man by his arm, led him back to the reception area, took a piece of chalk out of his pocket and drew a round circle on the floor and said, you stand in that round circle and do not move. He went back to the garage, got his mallet, and proceeded to smash the man's car with a man watching. Smash the windshield, tail lights, beat the car into pieces. And when he finally had exhausted his rage, he put the hammer down and looked up at the man. And the man is laughing so hard he's holding his sides. And he walks over to the man and says, what is the matter with you? I just smashed your car to pieces and you're laughing. The man said, while you were doing that, I got out of the circle seven times and you didn't even notice. <laughs> Control freaks, right? Amen. And that, that's, that's kind of how religion is. A Jezebel spirit is nearly always accompanied by an Ahab spirit. 
Ahab was one of the most wicked kings that Israel ever had, primarily because he allowed his wife Jezebel to lead Israel into idolatry and rebellion against Jehovah God. What's tragic about this is that most people feel Ahab was kind of like, you know, he was a pretty good guy that just had a bad wife and she led him down the wrong path. Uh-uh-uh-uh, don't, don't, don't think that. Uh-uh, Ahab's have their own agenda. And he married Jezebel and he looked on the surface like a good guy, but when God got ready to pin the blame for the decline of, of the nation of Israel spiritually on someone, he laid it at the doorstep of Ahab. He blamed Ahab for what was going on. Amen. And so I'm going to say some things today that I need you to, to, to listen to closely. Amen. Jezebel, Ahab's wife, encouraged Ahab to do evil. She is best known for having Naboth killed when he refused to sell his vineyard to Ahab and for her attempts to kill the prophets of God, including the prophet Elijah. Elijah was, after his confrontation with Ahab and Jezebel on Mount Carmel, became so despondent, even though he had called fire down from heaven, he literally asked God to take his life prematurely. Together, Ahab and Jezebel brought Israel to the brink of ruin as a nation. So the question then is, what are Ahab's spirits and what are Jezebel's spirits? A Jezebel spirit is a controlling spirit of manipulation. It will seek to control others through a word of prophecy, a dream, gift-giving, even tears... They will try to control you and manipulate you and intimidate you into doing what they want you to do. Mm -hmm. Help me now. This is not to say that every word of prophecy comes from a Jezebel. I believe in a genuine gift of prophecy. We have it functioning within this church. Amen. There is a lady that I know, she's been here before. She's a member of the ministry of Natasha, who is my spiritual daughter in South Africa, who has preached for us here. This little lady, her name is Katie. If I'm not mistaken, she is a Hottentot, maybe, is the tribe, if you've ever heard of that tribe. And she's just a little old lady. Well, who does she have a spiritual gift? I have seen prophetic gifts that will make the hair stand up on the nap of your neck. She has one. For those of you that are students of the Bible, you have heard of Strong's Concordance, which takes every word mentioned in the Bible. It gives you the English text, and every word has a number beside it that when you click on that on a computer, it carries you to the original word. I think there are over 12,000 different words used in, in the Bible. And, and it gives you the original word and the various nuances of its meaning as it is applied in that particular verse. You cannot memorize 12,000 numbers for dead languages like these languages of, of, of Greek and Hebrew from the past. Throw in some Aramaic on top of that. You can't memorize that many numbers and their meanings. This is the way God uses little Katie. She, they will be praying and interceding about something and God will drop a number in her heart. And she will say, I see the number 6137. And the number 2548. And you'll look that up and my God. That's exactly the answer to the prayer we were just praying. That the word, I've seen people like, like almost go. Ah! It is so, it is so direct and profound it will blow your mind. It was like, whew. You know, I better not even think anything bad. She's going to read my thoughts here, you know. <laughs> I mean, this, that's how, and don't even ask me what spiritual gift that is. If you believe there are only nine spiritual gifts, I just blew your mind a while ago. Because I don't know which one of the nine that would fall in the category of. Amen. The gift of reading Strong's Concordance numbers. Amen. But I've seen that be used to bless people. And I give revelation and insight that is absolutely amazing. And this woman is an intercessor like you cannot believe. Amen. So I don't want you for one minute to think that I am against a prophetic voice. The problem sometimes is in attempting to elucidate or explain something, 
you have to show the extremes of this being done incorrectly. And then people think you're actually taking a position against that thing altogether when you're not. What I'm saying is there's a ditch on this side of the road you want to steer clear of. And there's one on this side. And I'm going to say some things today that are so clear that I don't need you. Uh, I don't want you, rather, is a better way to phrase it, to misunderstand me. I don't want you to think that I'm speaking against prophetic gifts. I'm not. Someone with a Jezebel spirit will use fear, intimidation, and manipulating silence and the implied or explicit threat of rejection in an attempt to force you to submit to them. Ever have anybody, when you didn't measure up, they gave you the cold shoulder? The only way you could fit in was to go along with their little scheme and game. Scheme and game. A false word is controlling. A true word from God is liberating and brings edification and freedom. Notice the scripture says that she calls herself a prophetess. I learned a long time ago to be afraid of people that went around giving themselves titles. Amen. I'm prophet. I'm this. I'm apostle. I'm all of, uh-uh. Look, I got all kind of titles. I could, and some of them I can't even name up here. They're so bad that people have given me. Amen. That I frankly dispute that I need. Amen. I don't think I'm like that at all. But in the course of life, you know what I'm talking about. Amen. I've been blessed in many ways. Amen. Blessed and blessed out, if you understand what I'm talking about. Amen. So uh, you don't need to seek titles. If you have a particular anointing, people will recognize that in you. But she called herself a prophetess. Okay? Now, this spirit comes across as being spiritual and one that hears from God, but they use their appearance of spirituality to control what you do. Revelation 2 and 20 tells us this, that she calls herself a prophetess. Jezebel was religious. This is one reason God is against religion. God is not for religion. He's for relationship. She was a priestess of Baal. Baal was a demonic spirit in the Old Testament era that people made uh, idols out of and worshipped. And he was a demonic god. Worshippers of Baal were very devout, as you can see, when they cut themselves on Mount Carmel in an attempt to get Baal to answer them by answering with fire. Elijah prayed to the real God who answered by fire. They cut themselves and danced themselves into a frenzy, which is why I'm not always moved by a lot of frenzied excitement. Oh, come on, I'm preaching a lot better than... Amen, you're talking. God's not in everything people say God's in. On the other hand, I do believe in dancing before the Lord. David danced before the Lord. But whenever you're doing this to get recognition and look good and spiritual, that's a different matter. You understand what I'm saying? And so religion is all about Appearance, relationship is about connection. Amen. Spirits are fallen angels and as such are neutral in gender. They're not male nor female. Amen. The Bible tells us that. A Jezebel spirit can operate in a man or a woman. Many people don't know this. Just like an Ahab spirit can operate in a man or a woman. I've known many Jezebel spirits that were actually in the men. And men are always quick to say, that's a Jezebel. Sometimes it's the man that's the Jezebel. David Koresh had a Jezebel spirit. It was intimidating and manipulating. Jim Jones had a Jezebel spirit. It was intimidating and manipulating. Amen. And it ultimately caused people to lose their lives. Baal is also known in the Old Testament as Molech. God said they offered their children to Molech. And this is what he says in Revelation, that her children will die. This is what always happens to kids that are raised in this kind of an environment. They die spiritually and leave the church and never want to come back. 
when there is a church where there is no true spiritual authority, but there is this substitute of Jezebel and Ahab in control, kids run from it because it is a child killer. Amen. This particular idol, Molech, was made as a statue with a big empty open place in his stomach where they would build a fire. His arms were extended like this together in an outward position at a 45-degree angle like I'm doing right here. And what parents would do would be to take their children, put them in the arms of Molech, and they would roll down his arms into the flames in his belly. And this was what God was against when he said they offer their children to Molech. Whenever you are raised under a Jezebel spirit, you nearly always lose your kids. Which is another reason churches cannot have that because our hope rests on the future generation. Amen. But as I said, these spirits are neutral in gender. So they can be in a man or a woman. I know of one pastor here. I'm not just to demonstrate what I'm talking about, who literally, I'm not going to call names, or, but one, just within a short distance of where I'm standing, he teaches that your marriage is not valid. I don't care how long you have been married unless he performed it in his church. And that if he didn't perform it, you got to leave your husband or wife and be separated until he can perform the wedding. There are people in our church he has separated, separated, literally separated. I know another pastor that his daughter, or rather a a family in his church, their daughter was getting married in this church. He wouldn't even let the mom and the dad come to attend their own daughter's wedding. That is a Jezebel spirit. I don't care who says it isn't. It's wrong in the eyes of God. It is manipulating and controlling, and God will judge it. Watch what I'm saying. Why do people allow this kind of thing to happen and allow a Jezebel spirit to dominate their lives? Why does a leader allow it? It is a reaction to that leader's inner woundedness. Both the person who functions in the power of a Jezebel spirit and its victims inevitably turn out to be wounded people who were searching for acceptance. The leader finds that by acting in this capacity, he has some measure of control over others and feels good about himself. The follower, on the other hand, is wounded and needs acceptance. And so by submitting, he accepts them. Oh, these are the chosen few here, and they feel they now have significance. What it does is it forces them deeper into their woundedness rather than bringing the healing that the Bible is all about. Amen. Somebody help me. I'm preaching here today. Amen. Everybody in life is going to be wounded. You need to know, as I've said so many times, we're a fallen race that live in a fallen world that is ruled by a fallen Lord. You don't get in this world and get through it and get out of it without getting some scars. Just turn to somebody and say, have you had any scars lately? Would you do that? And don't be surprised if their answer is, do you mean today or yesterday? Because you don't live in this world without getting scars. Even Jesus got scars in this world. Mm. Amen. So it's not about whether you're perfect or not. He was. You get scars anyway. That's the nature of the world that we live in. This spirit then addresses people who are wounded. Here's what happens. Some people who are wounded get bitter. You ever met anybody that way? Went through something bad. Relationship soured. A marriage ended. Brought up wrong and incorrectly in their childhood. Bitter the rest of their lives. Some people get bitter. The gospel makes people get better. Amen. Amen. This spirit attempts to address inner woundedness in a different way. What it does is it says that you can gain identity, self-worth, and recognition and value by measuring up to my requirements. I'll give you this list of rules. If you can hang, then you mean something to me. If you can't hang, I don't want nothing to do with you. 
and I will stiff arm you and cold shoulder you until you do get in line. That's the Jezebel spirit here. Amen. Stay with me. This is the consequence. You say, why would people ever do this? It is the consequence of seeking love and self-worth by being focused on self rather than on God and accepting who he says you are. You become vulnerable when you start looking at you instead of at him. When you look at him and accept who he says you are, then you have value separate and apart from anybody else having to acknowledge that you have value. You hear what I'm saying? Amen. And so these spirits call themselves prophetic, but in reality, they hate the true prophetic gift. A a true prophetic word will build you up and speak life to you. They don't build you up and speak life to you. They control you. Amen. They'll give you a word about why this one is not good for you. That one is not good for you. Why you need to be over here. You need to be in this ministry. God gave me a dream. They'll call you at 2.30 in the morning and tell you God woke him up. Come on, help me out now. This, and if you're wounded, you will seek your identity from doing rather than just being like Adam and Eve in the garden, the person that is both leading, that has the Jezebel spirit, and their victims are people that are trying to become by works what God said they already are by grace. Amen. In the day you eat of the fruit, you will be like God. Pardon me? When God made them, he said, I will make man in my image. They're already like God. Amen. This spirit, if they cannot manipulate you, then they will set about to judge you, speak harshly of you, and attempt to destroy your name and credibility. You don't jump through their hoops. You don't jump when they say frog. They want to tear you apart. Know anybody like that? And the end of the day, what happens is because you got enmeshed in this, what they will cause to have happened to you is you will begin to experience one of the symptoms is depression and self-doubt. You will begin to question yourself. Even as powerful a prophet as Elijah was not exempt. He comes from Mount Carmel where God sent fire down from heaven. You had that happen in your prayer life lately? You prayed any prayers that made fire come That's how powerful this man's anointing was. And yet he leaves there when Jezebel says that the gods do more to me and more also if I don't make your life like one of the lives of these prophets of mine that are Baal that you just killed. Ahab takes out running and fears for his life, throws himself down, down under a juniper tree and begins to cry and feel depressed and says, God, take me away. I don't want to live anymore. Involvement with a Jezebel spirit will eventually bring you to a state of depression and self-doubt, self-questioning. God hates this spirit. Why? Because this spirit has the desire to control and that is a form of witchcraft and is in total contradiction and opposition to the very nature of God himself. The irrevocable gift that God gives to all of mankind is that of free will and free choice. God doesn't force anybody to do the right thing. Amen. God himself will not violate his gift to us of our free will. He will woo us and draw us and attempt to lead us. But he always leaves it up to us to choose his way or not choose his way. Joshua 2, or 24 rather in 15, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. You make the choice. Deuteronomy 30 and 19, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life, and death, blessing and cursing, therefore choose life that you and your descendants may live. I'm not gonna make you do the right thing. I've given you free will. I don't want you to serve me because I cold shoulder you. I want you to serve me because you love me, amen. Come on, somebody say amen right now. It gets better, watch, watch this, because it gets better. 
Amen. These people feel that if they can make you serve them, that that demonstrates they have value now. I've got people doing what I I want them to do. You feel good because this person is patting you on the head. Oh, that's a good boy. That's a good girl. You're doing what I, I required. You're measuring up. And God is standing back saying, witchcraft, I don't want it in my sight. Amen. It actually hurts your relationship with God. God will love you to your grave, desiring to woo you to himself, and God will never give you the cold shoulder not one day in your life. He will love you even when you don't love him. Amen. He will still reach out for you. This spirit is the very antithesis of the the heart and nature of God. He will in no way even force eternal life or heaven on any person. He honors our right to choose. Reminded of a sermon E.V. Hill preached years ago before he went on to be with the Lord. And the, the sermon was entitled, Why Be Saved? Why I'm Saved, rather. Why I'm Saved. And he said, number one reason why I'm saved is I don't want to go to hell. That sounded pretty intelligent to me. But ultimately, God doesn't make you do the right thing. You get to choose for yourself what you do. Therefore, when people try to manipulate or dominate the will of others, it is in direct violation of God's laws and his principles of government. And it comes under Satan's domain, which is witchcraft. Witchcraft is, I'm going to control you and make you do what I think needs to be done. God said, "Uh uh-uh, I don't want anything to do with that. God wants us to come to him based on our own free will and love for him. He doesn't want us to come to him based on coercion and even out of a fear of him not giving us approval. Unlike Jezebel, God is not a control freak. He's not a dictator. 1 John 4 and 18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. And the one who fears is not made perfect in love. If you're serving out of intimidation or coercion, you don't fix your stuff because you know you'll be rejected. You go underground underground with your stuff. So when churches rule or lead or have a spirit of authority that is based upon manipulation and coercion and intimidation, their members don't fix their inward issues. Because if you acknowledge you have issues, you're going to upset the leader. Amen. You're going to make him look bad. Hello, you hear what I'm saying? Jezebel serve no higher purpose than themselves. They seek to control people around them and make them have no other purpose than to glorify and serve the egos of moi, the Jezebel in charge. And then they tell you that while you're serving them, you're really serving God. Sorry, last time I looked in the dictionary under God, your picture wasn't there. Hello? Amen. In the, have I made everybody mad yet? Anybody? I'm, I'm working on it. Amen. Hang around. I'll get there. In the eyes of Jezebel's, everything in life either does or should revolve around them. Yes, it should. Their entire moral code and work ethic revolves around selfishness and self-indulgence and self-centeredness. Jezebels cater to no one but themselves, and although they may choose to help others out, they might get involved in a ministry, they might care, and they might serve. They're not doing it to help the person who needs it. They're doing it to look good while they're in the process and spiritual. It is the appearance that they're wanting to maintain. You hear what I'm saying? On the other hand, An Ahab always works a personal agenda. Always. They have no sense of loyalty. They don't understand integrity. They are always working an angle, but they do it through others. They do it by using Jezebel. 
Ahab married Jezebel. He's the one who empowered her. Who was she till he married her? She had no authority in Israel. He is the one who enables her. And this is the way he does it. They use Jezebels to get what they want. Often Ahabs are painted, as I've said earlier today, as being the more innocent of the two. That poor Ahab, he's got such a terrible wife uh, for, uh, 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 for, uh, in the form of a Jezebel. That poor guy, he's really a good man. He could do so good if it wasn't for her. Never heard anything like that. He married her, folks. She was his choice. Seven billion, he went and got her. Hello, I'm, I'm trying to get real with you right now. And they used the Jezebel as their pit bull attack dog. They don't want to do it because they won't still look good. So they use Jezebel, who doesn't mind being the evil one in the circumstance. Consider, for example, the story of Naboth, who refused to sell his vineyard to Ahab. Ahab came down, said, I want to buy your vineyard. It's convenient near my home. I like it. I'll give you money. You can go buy your better vineyard elsewhere. Naboth said, no, I can't do that. I'm sorry. This is my inheritance handed down to me from my ancestors. That was their part of the promised land. This is my inheritance from God. I have to hold on to it. And in those days, you could temporarily let it go, but every 50 years, it reverted back to original ownership, which means God never wanted them to lose their inheritance. What Ahab wanted was a permanent transfer of title that would never revert back. And, and what happened is Naboth said no. This is what Ahabs do. They don't have the guy arrested. How dare you? I'll have you arrested. No, they're too clever for that. He went home, got in his bedroom, drew the shades and the curtains, lay in bed and had a pity party and felt sorry for himself. My poor leadership is being questioned. Ahab comes in and said, what's the matter, baby? Can mama do anything for you? This is how they work together. And he says, Mama, that nasty old man Naboth wouldn't sell me his vineyard. And Jezebel says, Don't you worry, Daddy. I'm going to take care of him. And Ahab should have right then and there said no. But he didn't because he's working an agenda. And she goes and hires false witnesses to make up stories about Naboth that he's blasphemed, pays a judge off, they haul Naboth into court, convict him, organize an execution squad, and they stone him to death. And when she gets done, she walks in and tells Ahab, don't worry, Daddy, Mama took care of that nasty old man for you today. And Ahab said, really, Mama? And she said, yeah, I did. You can go get your inheritance or go get your vineyard now. And Ahab went down, and no sooner did he get out of his chariot than Elijah walks up and says, God saw what you did. Notice who got the blame for it. Amen. Oh, Jezebel paid, but Ahab was the one allowing her to do this. And everybody feels sorry for Ahab. No, 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 no. He was working an agenda. He still wanted to look good and spiritual while his pit bull was tearing up everybody around him. Hello, you hear what I'm talking about? Ahab didn't personally attack Naboth for refusing to give up his inheritance. He didn't personally hire false witnesses. He didn't personally pay off the judge. He didn't personally have Naboth executed. And so when you accuse him, Ahab can say with complete innocence, I didn't do that. No, but you sure let it be done, which makes you just as bad as the Jezebel that did it. Oh, come on. I'm, I'm talking to you right now. Amen. An Ahab spirit is a self-focused spirit that will not confront wrongdoing if that wrongdoing serves their purpose. They actually encourage it without appearing to be involved and look innocent the whole while. Amen. Jezebel gets tagged, but Ahab gets the reward, the benefit of what Jezebel does. 
often they're not even actually, as I said, doing wrong externally. It's just they're the ones enabling the Jezebels. Amen. So a few brief words of caution before I begin. And I'm, I'm done for today. I'm going to next week give you 25 characteristics of these spirits that are going to blow your mind. I just say this up front. You need to understand that I'm talking here about a matter of degrees. Degrees. What I mean. Everybody I know wants to think, see things turn out the right way. Most people will try to take right and intelligent steps to help that happen. That is not control. Some of us are so quick to go looking for demons under every bush that just because somebody wants something to turn out right, we're going to say, you got a Jezebel spirit. No, they don't. They just want it to turn out right because everything you do is a signature on your character. It is indicative of your spirit. They want things to look good because they want to have an excellent spirit and be thought of highly. Nothing wrong with that. You're supposed to do your best. What your hand finds to do, do it with your might is what Ecclesiastes said. What you do is supposed to be a form of worship that you're expressing to God. So do the best you can, amen, with what you're doing. That is in control. For you to want things to turn out well, that's just good sense. It doesn't make that person a Jezebel because they want it to turn out right. The problem is when people are so insecure that they must be in control. And when they fear that allowing others to determine the outcome, it will damage their reputation. How they look. It will hurt their image. They got to have it done their way. Their way. And if you do it any other way, then their way, you're hurting my image. You're making me look bad. Mm -hmm. And then you've got some that, as I said, criticize the individual that just wants to see it turn out well because they know they've signed their work with their name. It is a reflection of who they are. You say, I don't think you ought to be that interested. They got a Jezebel spirit. No, you got a lazy one. That's the problem. You don't care, and you should. Did I make a few more mad? Love you so much. Peace. Amen. You're the man. You're the woman. Okay, I'm not trying to upset anybody. I'm just joking with you. Amen. The truth of the matter is that this is the way it works, and that isn't control. Allow people to want to do things right. Amen. And so don't intimidate other people into jumping through your hoops. If you're in leadership, that's improper. Many people also have issues with self-esteem. As I said, we live in a fallen world and you don't get through this world without getting a few scars in the process. You will get wounded. Just because you have been wounded and have a few self-esteem issues doesn't mean you have either a Jezebel or an Ahab spirit. Everybody gets wounded. Hello? Everybody gets hurt. Everybody has had their value questioned in life. The problem arises when you make your self-esteem issues the most important thing in your life. And you become so self-focused that life is all about you instead of God and others. Life is not about you. It's about God. Amen. Also, it doesn't mean that a person has a Jezebel spirit just because they don't go around seeking confrontation. Ahab should have confronted Jezebel and said, what you're doing is wrong, stop it. He didn't because he had an agenda. He was going to get a payoff because of what she was about to do. So he didn't confront her. And just because people don't go around confronting everybody they meet doesn't mean they have an Ahab spirit. Confrontation should be avoided if possible. Amen. Jesus taught us that. Blessed are the peacemakers. The Bible says as much as is possible, live peaceably with the people around you. You don't have to go around being obnoxious. 
Amen. It, it only becomes a problem and looks like it could be an Ahab spirit when confrontation is required because the damage that somebody is doing is by, with the wrongs that they're committing are so egregious that you could put a stop and, and you could put a stop to it, but you don't because it's serving your agenda. They're doing something that's wrong. You could stop it. Say, wait a minute, that's not right. When you don't do that because it's serving your agenda, uh-oh, beware. That's what Ahab did. Amen. Amen. Somebody say praise the Lord here today. We should therefore be very careful to not go around judging other people just because they have done something right. Amen. Or because they struggle with self-esteem. If you ever encounter a genuine Jezebel or Ahab, trust me when I tell you, you will, after a while, recognize who they actually are. You might not see it at first, but before it's done, you will know. Oh, yes, you will. Amen. Secondly, be aware that having one or two of the characteristics that I'm going to give you next week doesn't mean that person is controlled by or operating in one of these spirits either. One or two of them are not enough to draw that conclusion. We all have personality flaws. Oh, you, you would have been real wise to say amen right there because your silence makes you what if he's talking about him? He sure didn't say amen when he said that. You guilty or something? <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm teasing you. Amen. We all have personality flaws. Nobody in this room is perfect except me and you. Rest of them, we're praying for them. In Jesus' name, of course. Amen. So just because they have a few of these characteristics that I will name does not make them guilty of functioning within these spirits. So again, we're talking about degrees here. If most of the characteristics I will, that I give you next week are in evidence, beware. Amen. One or two only, we're probably just dealing with basic insecurities that are the result of some past emotional trauma that hasn't yet been resolved internally. Amen. What do you do with the Jezebel spirit? You don't allow it in your life. Don't allow it in your life. Jezebel spirits will tell you, we're the only church in town. We're the only ones that know the truth. We're the only ones. You go to that church, huh? we have the real Holy Spirit here. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? When they start that stuff, see you, wouldn't want to be you, bye, amen, and you walk away. You be like the old Quaker that one night heard a burglar downstairs while he was asleep upstairs in his bedroom. Quakers are known for being very peaceful people, very peaceful, very gentle people, will not harm a fly. He heard a burglar downstairs, got his double-barrel shotgun named Betsy, Went to the head of the stairs, flipped on the light switch with a shotgun pointed downstairs and sure enough, caught a burglar in the very act of stealing his silver. The old Quaker cocked both hammers back on the shotgun and looked at the burglar and said, friend, I would do thee no harm for the world, but thee stand us where I'm about to shoot. That's what you do with Jezebel. Don't tolerate Jezebel or Ahab in your life. Don't live for God out of intimidation. Live for God because you love him, because he's the best thing that's ever happened in your life. Amen. Don't become victim to people that are pursuing personal agendas either. People that have an inherent integrity issue or issue with honesty, or that are working their own agenda. Don't you become their pawn, because even though they love you so much, they will sacrifice your future and your life to achieve their objective. Stand with me across the building. I'm done. Amen. 
I'm finished. Am I helping anybody with this today? You will not want to miss next weekend. Now, I want you to come and pray with me because some of us have come from backgrounds where we have been hurt in church. Everybody, balcony, ground floor. There are some of you that still struggle trusting pastors. There's some of you, if I can say this gently, that I have no doubt you've been here as long as I have and you still struggle to trust me. And I've been here 25 years. The issue is once you get wounded, you see what I'm saying? You don't let it go. Come, move in close, move in closer. There are people behind you in the aisles. And I really want to pray with folk today. I want to free you up where you can believe and be pure, where you can love God and trust God with an innocent heart. I want to release you from your hurt and your woundedness and your pain. And if you're one of those that are involved in leadership and in someone else's life and the model of leadership that was set before you was flawed as I have described here today, I can tell you that most of us, when we become leaders, imitate and replicate the model we served under. I don't want you to make those mistakes. I want you to love people, lead people, heal people, help people know God. Would you raise your hands with me right now? Father, I pray for healing. I pray for healing in hearts that have been wounded, people that have been hurt in church. I pray for those of us that have been through difficult times and our experiences with people in the church that we trusted that let us down, that you will help us to be pure again, trusting again, whole again. Help us get rid of any distrust and jaundiced outlooks on life that have made us cold and cynical and help us to just serve you out of a heart that is devoted and dedicated that honors you for who you are that's able to look beyond the flaws of those who are around us I pray for healing for people right now there's some in this building that have come from backgrounds that have been so damaging that people have told them things that are so egregious in terms of the control they've exerted in their lives that some people might not even know how to live without being told what to do every day teach us to know you God so we can know the Father's heart